I just want to say, whenever we come here, I feel a bit guilty. Because I feel we get blessed more than we bless you. <laughs> it's always the case. It's just so amazing how people come up with words that confirm what God has been doing with us. There's been a lot happening to Angelina and myself. Um, we are just supernaturally, God brought us into a, a, um, a vision that's being established in, in the heart of Bedford, of all places. Um, but it's a very international um, vision that links up with America as well. So it's, um, it's, it's pretty amazing how God is doing this. We don't know our role. We don't know how, what, where. But, you know, that's the excitement of being a follower of Jesus, isn't it? You, you don't always know what's, what is next, but you're excited about it. Um, so just coming here is such a blessing for us, genuinely a blessing. And, and I trust and pray that as we continue from where we stopped last time, that you will be blessed. So just to recap very quickly, well, let's start with the scripture. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So the first part there is, have you been speaking about the vision God has given you? Have you been talking about it as a church? A little bit, kind of. From that time on, I, I, I really felt last time I was here that was a prophetic statement because I didn't know that Julie was going to talk about the vision that Sunday and she didn't know what I was bringing. So I really felt there was a prophetic element in that from this time on. Talk about your vision. Talk about your destiny as a church. Not just in meetings. Not just you know in the, in, in the leadership meeting or in the in the, I don't know, baby committee team or whatever you have. I don't know what else you have. But, you know, um, you should talk about the vision God has given you with your friends and relatives and colleagues. Get excited about what God is doing. All right? Um, and, and not what he's going to do. What is he doing? And we'll get a little bit into that. It's a mindset. It's what's up here. Okay? But talk about the vision. Share the vision. Share it with one another, because the more you talk about it, the more clear you become about it. It's not so muddled in your own mind anymore. <laughs> and also, we can learn from one another. So from that time on, Jesus began to explain. But then Peter came and rebuked him. He said, never you, Jesus. No, no. And we looked at it last time, that when we share our vision, when God has dropped that burden, that passion, that vision into our hearts and soul, not everybody understands it. Not everybody gets it. And often people will come and they will start reasoning with us. You know, is that the wise thing to do? Um, uh, very dear friends of us in New Zealand, they're in their 70s and he's very offended because somebody came up to him and basically said to him, you should start acting your age. <laughs> Sit down. Stop. Stop this noise. Stop doing so much. Sit down. Rest. Um, and he's very offended by that. And so he should be. Amen? 
Because, you see, not everybody will understand. And people will come and have wisdom. Oh, but have you considered the outcome of this? Have you ever thought about that? What if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? Right? So there's this bargaining. There's this negotiation that happens from people around us. Voices around us. And then on top of that, we have our own little doubts and fears and little voices, you know. We call them little squirrels, you know, inside of us. And, 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 and suddenly somebody says, oh, but have you considered what if that happens? And that little squirrel goes, see, I told you so. And you go, oh, yeah, that's a confirmation. Oh, Lord, is this you or not? Doubt, insecurities, fear. And we find that these things are so often in our lives, you know, that the negotiations, the, the, the logic, wisdom that comes to us, that's not godly but worldly. And we saw that Jesus said, this is a stumbling block unto Jesus. To me, that is a very troubling statement. Jesus said, I could stumble. The Son of God said, I could stumble if I take to heart what you just said, what you just did. Do you hear that? I mean, how much more you and me? We could stumble as well, couldn't we? So Jesus said, you could be a stumbling block unto me. And what was he saying? So he says, so he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. So the word Satan, I want us to just quickly focus on that, the word Satan. What does the word Satan mean? The word Satan basically means opposition. Okay. So he didn't, that word there is not the actual Lucifer as in Satan. It is more the heart of Satan, the opposer, the opposition. And Jesus recognized that what Peter came to him, even though he was very respectful, and he, he was sincerely meaning it good, right? He, he didn't mean to throw Jesus off track. He, he was just saying, Come on, you came to us to be a king. And now you're telling me you're going to die? Don't speak like that. Don't talk this. So negative. <laughs> so Jesus recognizes that these words that Peter, the attitude, the heart that P Peter came with was opposing his vision, his destiny, his calling. So the word Satan there literally means the opponent. In our vision, in our ministry, in our calling, you will have opponents far too often. Yourself being one of them. I've, I've, I've done this long enough to know that my own fears are my worst enemy. Lack of faith, insecurity, doubt, all of these things. Then you add on to that the responsibilities of being a father, raising kids, being a husband, paying a mortgage, etc., etc., etc. So we have to realize that the, the things that come in opposition to the calling of God can be external, but they can as well be internal. They can, and sometimes more often they are internal than external. So recognizing the opposition, 
is not necessarily, as I use this verse, get behind me, Satan, whenever somebody disagrees with me. <laughs> All right? That's not really what this is about. <laughs> you do that as well? I do that. No. <laughs> when I don't like what they say, get behind me, Satan. That's it. Um, especially when it comes to food, you know. <laughs> when, my wife, when my wife tells me, that's got fat on it, I say, get behind me, Satan. That's, that's white meat. So, <laughs> no. This is about an opposition to a destiny in Christ. Your destiny in Christ. Your calling in Christ. This church's destiny in Christ. What is the opposition to that? Deal with it from within, but also externally. Jesus recognizes it and calls it what it is, Satan. He who opposes that calling. Then he carries on. He says, get behind me. Remove yourself from my way. Get out of my way. But that's what he basically says. You're an opponent to me. You're in opposition to me. Get out of my way. Because I've got a target. I've got a destiny. I've got somewhere to be. I've got somewhere to go. Reminds me a little bit of David going to the battlefield. And his eldest brother comes and says, what are you doing here, you arrogant little brother? You know, you're just here because you, you, you want to be famous. You want all this and and David says, that he says, do I not have a cause to be here? Do I not have a purpose in being here? Yeah, yeah, you're here to bring us food, now go. <laughs> no, my purpose is not to let this giant talk like that about my God. All right? And you and I need to come to that place where... We not only recognize the opposition, we have to know the goal. Okay? You have to know what you're aiming at. You have to know. You know, there's. We, in South Africa, we hunt, as in America and some places. English farmers hunt sometimes, yeah? Yeah, you, you do with foxes. We don't hunt with foxes, we hunt with rifles. And one of the things we learn from a young age is this. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every single time. And often Christians have this non-vision, non-purpose lifestyle. You know, they just stumble like the blind in the dark. Whatever comes across, oh, oh yeah, 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 that's what I meant to do. You, you need a vision. You need a target. You need to know what you're aiming at. What is your destiny? What is your destination in Christ? Where are you going? What are you aiming for? Because unless you know what you're aiming for, how will you know if there's an opposition? So every time opposition comes, you turn away. If you drive like that to your destination, you'll never end in your destination, would you? Every time there's a stop street, you just sit there. Recognize the opposition, but recognize your target, your destination, your calling, your vision. Write it down. Angelina and I did this. And listen, we, we, we sat down this week, last week, this week. I can't remember. Last week or this week. And we said, we have to redefine. What is our calling? What has God called us to? And it took us a whole afternoon, a couple of hours, but we worked it through. And the amazing thing is God's calling didn't change, but it, he added some aspects. He redefined some aspects. And he made some things more clear and others more mystical. 
I had a meeting with somebody a few weeks ago, and um, he, he, he shared something with me that, not in these words, I'm not smart enough to use high English, so this is how God deals with me. You know, he said, he said something to the effect that sometimes you have a vision and you have your path that you think will take you there, but that's not always what God wants. That vision is just an attraction to get you here. God's attracting you here, but he actually wants you there. And then this vision came to me to understand that. God said to me, it's the the carrot in front of the donkey. Right? The donkey just wants the carrot. He's just following the carrot. But he's never going to get the carrot. Why? Because at the end of it, he gets a whole, I don't know, barn of grain or whatever you can feed him. Right? Because you want the donkey to get somewhere. And sometimes God gives us a vision, that little carrot, that just gets us in the, in the, you know, it gets us moving in that direction. And we're chasing this carrot. And in chasing this carrot, we, we arrive at these beautiful destinations and we do these things for God. And we're like, whoa, how did that happen? Okay. <laughs> well, carrot, let me go. You know, the next thing happens and the next thing happens. So sometimes God gives us these desires and passions and visions and goals That's more of a carrot. It's something to attract us towards our goal. It's like this. Growing up in South Africa, I grew up in Kimberley, which is semi-desert, the Kalahari Desert. So for us, a holiday was at the ocean. That was it. That was the best holiday you could have, was going to the sea. I mean, all that water, you know, growing up in semi-desert, it's the best place to be. We didn't go to Durban. We went to the sea. Does this make sense to you? You know, Durban was our destination, but what we really wanted was the ocean. But we would say, we would say we're, going to, we're going to the sea. You know, when we told them, where are you going for holiday? Oh, to the sea. We're going, you know, we're going to the ocean. Yeah, but where? I don't know where. It doesn't matter. <laughs> as long as it's by the ocean. And often that's how God attracts us. We want to get to the ocean and we end up in Durban or wherever it was that destination is. I hope that makes sense. Um, and therefore, it makes it exciting, a little bit mysterious, right? God is mysterious. Love the mysteries of God. Love the mysteries of God. I've come to a place where I love not having the answer. It's, it's amazing. And it's such a relief to say, I don't know. And you know what? That's awesome. Because if we have all the answers, what do we need God for? God is mysterious. Oh, it's, it's just wonderful. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I need to get somewhere, right? So, in this quest, what has God called you to? Finding that goal. You will find the opposition. And the opposition could cause you to stumble. What is the opposition? Let us see. In verse 23. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. But merely human concerns. That's the opposition. That is the opposition. Anything and anybody, any voice, any sound, any desire, any passion, 
any vision, any prophecy that comes to you from a merely human concern is an opposition. The word there, the human concern, so in the NIV they translate it as human. Some translations will have different variations of that. It is actually the word human, which means humanistic, where we get our human rights from. What is this, the, the, this humanism? So here, I'm going to read it to you, okay? So humanism is rooted in the idea that people have an ethical responsibility to lead lives that are personally fulfilling while at the same time contributing to the greater good of all people. Humanism is the idea, it's an ethical responsibility that we live lives that will personally fulfill us and at the same time contribute to the good of all. That sounds godly almost, doesn't it? It's a good thing. The problem with it is, it cuts God out of the equation. It says that science and logic and reasoning is the center of my existence above all else. And this is where the problem comes in. You only have the concerns of this world, of this human mind, rather than that of God as well. It doesn't say do not have any concerns of human understanding. Does this make sense? It's not saying that. It says you cannot merely have that. You cannot only have that. That cannot be your only concern. You have to be concerned about the kingdom of God above this. Your center, seek first, what? The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's a mindset. Humanism says that we cut out religious traditions. We cut out the truths that's outside of our own experience. And because of that, we are in dire, dire trouble today. Our society is in big trouble. Why? Because truth is what I make it to be. That's, that's, there's no more standard of truth. So everything is my experience. So you do you, I do me. Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. No wonder we're in trouble, right? And that's what humanism does. So this battle, this battle between my humanistic mind and my kingdom of God mindset, where does that take place? It's right here. The, human, the humanistic mindset cannot accept the miraculous, faith, grace, or things of the Spirit. Romans It cannot accept that there's something else than my logic or my experience in this life. And here is, here is something that, is, that needs to be considered. And I'm hearing this more and more. The gospel being taught and preached from my experience right so I teach that God heals maybe maybe not because that's my experience 
I teach that God will forgive you sometimes, sometimes not, because that's my experience. And this is not the gospel. The gospel is truth. God heals. Amen? There's conditions to that. Every promise has a condition in this book. Everybody will be saved if what? You accept Jesus. You repent and believe that he's Lord. Every promise has a condition to it, right? And that's the And we, we get these things all mixed and muddled up because we do not fully comprehend that sometimes God has a vision that is beyond our understanding. It's bigger than our ability. In fact, if your vision from God doesn't scare you a little bit, reconsider it. If your vision from God, if the vision God has dropped into your heart is not beyond your abilities, reconsider. You don't need faith for something you can do already. Amen? So God does this thing where he brings a a vision and a goal into your heart and into your mind that scares you a little bit and it's slightly out of reach. And you're like, Lord, how do I get there? God says, now let's walk the path. Because God's more interested in you than in achieving something with you. Okay? This mindset, this battle between what is spiritual. And and I don't want to go too much into scripture. There's lots of scriptures I can go into. But I, I really want to get into the concept of it. That just understand that... If you live by the Spirit of God, you are children of God. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches us. So we have to walk and live by the Spirit of God. What does that mean? It means miracles exist and they're possible. So now my mindset that's in the kingdom of God that says miracles are possible battles with my mindset that's in this world that says I don't have enough money to achieve what I need to do. Do you you see this battle? So this one says, humanly speaking, you don't have the 100 pounds you need to get where you want to go, to put gas in your car to get to go where you need to go. But spiritually minded, the kingdom of God says, God can supernaturally make my car go where he wants me to go, or he can provide me the 100 pounds I need to put petrol or diesel or gas in my car to... And this battle is in your head. That's the only place it exists. But you have a choice in your vision to say, you know what? I'm a citizen of heaven. I belong to the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, miracles exist. So yes, humanly speaking, I shouldn't get in my car and start my journey because I do not have enough money to go where I'm going. That's wisdom. Right? Why would you do that? But also in the spirit, I know if I get in my car and I start driving, God is able and willing to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ever ask or dream of. Hallelujah. You need to be able to have, seek first the kingdom of God. So understand this principle and then apply. And this is where it gets challenging. Challenging. 
You have to apply the spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of knowledge and insight. Seven spirits of God. Have you heard of the, such a thing? All right, we're not talking about that. But there's, in the kingdom of God, there's wisdom. And God may say to you, let me give you an example. I like practical examples. Angelina and I are going to a farmhouse cafe that we, we, we had coffee once and it was beautiful, lovely. And we, Let's go back there. So we're going and I'm like, man, I'm a little bit lost here. I, I didn't tell my wife that. Men, never admit to your wife you're lost. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit lost here. And I, I, I couldn't remember. Did I pass the turn off or is it still in front of me? You know? And I'm going, going, going. And I see the sign that says, Mogga Hanger Park Tea Room. Hey, I got it. Dear, would you like to go to Mogga Hanger Park Tea Room instead? <laughs> I knew exactly where I was going. Right? But, but here is the practical implication of that. At that moment in time, I saw the sign. I said, you know what? Let's try something new rather than search for a place I can't really find. We go there and we turn off. We get to the parking area and there's only two cars there. And we're like, oh, it's probably closed, you know. It's in a farm. It's in, it's in the middle of nowhere. Tea room. So we get out of the car. Beautiful gardens. Tea room this way. So, okay, tea room this way. So we're going to tea, and we end in a walled garden. Beautiful flower, but there's no tea room. There's two mothers sitting with their toddlers on the lawn, and I'm like, that can't be the tea room. I don't know. Anyway, so we go out through another gate, and it says tea room that way. So I'm like, okay, this is confusing me. But this is so much how this works. The world will try and bring these arguments of logic and wisdom, worldly wisdom, into your life. That will confuse you. And it will take you on all sorts of paths. But when you listen to the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit will say to you, will just give you that little unction. Just that still small voice. Just that unction, that little bit of a push. You know, somebody tapping you on the shoulder. And you go, and we, I said, wait, there's a building in the back. That might be it. So we go there. Long story short, we found these Christian people. It's a Christian trust. And they run this beautiful place. And, and through that, we start to see God's miracles happening. And it's, it's impossible to do what God has been doing in our lives. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it. But it's just God has put us in touch with people that, that would put us on a journey for our vision that's impossible to have been orchestrated by any human on this earth. And as my eldest son said to me, he said, Dad... If you thought of yourself, okay, let's work this out so that we can get there. The last place on earth you would have moved to was Bedford. <laughs> That's how God works. But we have to be in that spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge, understanding, insight, knowledge. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Be in the kingdom of heaven. Be in the kingdom of God. Your vision is in the kingdom of God. Is it going to be without challenges? No. Buckle up. You know, we, we, we buckle up because we know something's coming. But there's no reason to fear any of it. Because Jesus said, he said, I went through all of this because of the joy set before me. What is the kingdom of God? Joy, peace, 
Righteousness, justification. And that's it. Don't complicate it. Joy, peace, righteousness, justification. If those things, you know, and Angelina and I'm literally starting to, to practice this. When I get up in the morning, I'm despondent, and I look at the news, and I listen to, you know, so and so and the other, and my whole spirit drops. What do we have to do? We have to enter the kingdom of heaven, joy, peace, righteousness, justification. We enter there, and then we come back down, and we say, you know what, we're full of joy, peace, righteousness. And life looks different on earth. Your vision is there. Your purpose is there. Your goal is there. But your pursuit of that will go through challenges. But you have to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Into the kingdom of God. Because here is the key. You have a whole universe within you. Hear me out. You have a whole universe within you. It's an unseen world. Read Hebrews. He he talks about the the heroes of faith. Hebrews 11 or somewhere there. And and he talks about the heroes of faith. And he says, but they never never saw what they actually hoped for. But they saw it in a city far away. And if they were citizens of that, they could have gone there. But they couldn't because it was of a different realm. God, the realities of heaven should be so real to you, inside of you, that these voices of the world cannot throw you. Off your tracks. It's time that we see the purpose of God in our life. And now the exciting thing is this. My purpose in God. Your purpose in God. Come together. And it forms a purpose that is united for the church of God. The body of Christ. And that's what should be happening. Your individual visions. Your individual purposes should come in line, and it should prop up, it should, what's the word I'm looking for? Enhance the vision of the church. Ministry, right? Matthew 25, ministry. Ministry of reconciliation. To bring people to that place where they can be loved by God and love God. But my, my vision may be to feed the hungry. But somebody else's vision may be to play with toddlers. Well, it's a different vision, but that doesn't mean it's a separate destination. And in this journey of getting to your vision, hearing from God, which takes time, I I don't like it. I want things to happen now. Yesterday is better. (laughs) It takes time. And in that time, you will have a wheel come off, you will have a flat wheel, you will have a spark plug fall out, you will have all sorts of stuff happen to this car on your journey. It's okay. It's okay. Do not give up just because the wheel is flat. Imagine that. You get in your car, we're going to Devon for holiday, and we pull away, and 20 miles down the road, flat wheel. And we get out, oh, okay, forget the holiday in Devon now, we've got a flat wheel. Let's go home. Leave the car and let's go home. Yeah. Duh, I mean, yes. But that's what we do with the vision and calling of God in our lives so often. Just one person, just one person we trust. A spouse sometimes. A parent sometimes. A child. Somebody we trust and love comes to us and says, 
you don't have the money to do it. Yeah, no, I don't have the money to do it. Let's leave the whole vision. I don't have the money. That's like getting out of that car with a flat wheel and walking off. Duh. Find the spare wheel. Find a solution to your financial issues. If that's, I'm just using the most common, easiest one. There's so many more. So many more. You can't speak English properly. Hello? (laughs) At 18 years old, didn't speak a word of English. Refused to speak English. I grew up in South Africa where we had racism. I can tell you that I was raised to hate the English more than the Africans. Refused to speak a word of English. And God says, I want you in the mission field. I'm like, what? Who? Where? How? Can't happen. Etc. Etc. Do not get out of this vision just because things are difficult. It's okay. In fact, I almost want to say it's necessary. Because when you fix that flat tire, you've gained a skill. And you've overcome a challenge. You're stronger. Now, you drive that car not fearing a flat wheel ever again. Is that right? You see, now you go and, oh, who cares about a flat wheel? I'll just put the spare on. I know I've got a spare in the boot. You've overcome. And sometimes God knows you so, well, not so, God knows you better than you know yourself. And sometimes God wants you to know yourself a bit better. So he gives you a flat wheel on the journey. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. When? When the trials come, rejoice. Why? Because God is giving me a skill. He's empowering me to overcome certain challenges. In your vision, God will put these things in your path. And he should. And thank him for it. Because you're better off for it. And you know what? You're one step closer to your vision. I, I, I did business a lot of my life. And, and one of the things that I hate saying and people, because, you know, sales. Every no is one closer to a yes. It's true, though. Every no is one closer to a yes. Every trial, every stumbling block, every failure that you overcome is one step closer to attaining your vision and your goal and your purpose. Do not get sidetracked. Do not fall. Do not stumble. Jesus said, I could stumble if I only listen." To the voice of humanistic reasoning. I need to consider God. The kingdom of God in my life. It's the only way I'm not going to stumble. And quit. And fall. Amen. 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 I hope that was encouraging. And um, I want to pray. And then we finish. I'll give back to Julie. Julie, Mary. Give back to Mary. Um, But I just want to pray. Can we all just, if you want to stand, you can stand. If you prefer sitting, just keep sitting. I just want to call on Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you made it simple, Lord, that even I can understand it. 
Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful passage where you have revealed your vulnerability, not only to your disciples, but to us, where you say, I could stumble in this place. Lord, and today we stand here and we, we come to you humbly, Lord, and, and we say, Lord, we stumble. We have stumbled. We say, Lord, help us. I pray, Father God, that you would strengthen the knees and the hands of those who have caught your vision for them and the purpose for this church. I pray now for a supernatural influx of strength, of faith, to overcome these stumbling blocks, to overcome these challenges we're facing. Father God, there's so much in this that I do not have the words. I just pray, help us, help us, help us. Because Lord, we cannot afford not to reach our destiny in Christ. We don't want to fail reaching our destiny in Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will empower each one in this room. And I pray for the joy and the peace and the righteousness of Christ to come into their hearts, into their soul, and just light up the vision for them, light up their purposes for them. Lord, where there's confusion, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I pray for clarity. I pray for clarity in your purpose, in your identity, in your calling, what God wants for you. And Lord, I thank you that your anointing will rest upon them. The anointing that will enable them to achieve all that you've called them to achieve. The anointing, Lord, to bring together all the different aspects. You are the architect. You are the architect, Lord, and it's, it's so complex. We couldn't even see north and south. We couldn't distinguish east from west. It's too complicated. But, Lord, you are the architect. You know which is front and back. You know which is east and west. And we rest in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen.